Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Coming up this week, Disney Cruise Line changes their alcohol policy and the Internet has a meltdown. There's another management shakeup at SeaWorld that we're going to talk about. And we're going to also discuss when political correctness at the parks can go too far. And a little later on, Dustin and the team discuss the current state of Disney's Hollywood Studios. All that coming up next. From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode 845 for the week of August 24th, 2015. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show, coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Dustin West. Hello. Jenny Lynn Knopp. Hello. That was an odd way of saying it. Jenny Lynn Knopp. <laughs> Kathy Whirling. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Julie Martin. Hello. <laughs> Back in the production nook, Rhino Clavin. Hello. Along with our associate producer, Craig Williams. Hello. And, uh, yeah, I'm feeling a little off today, so. <laughs> and I'm really excited about getting to this political correctness story a little later on, but um, <laughs> it's going to be a fun conversation. But anyway, we got some things in housekeeping first. Just want to remind everybody that uh, our show notes page, disunplug.com, is where you will find links to everything that we discuss in our shows each week, including links to various videos, articles on the site, and things of that nature. So head out to disunplugged.com for all of that, all of that wonderful information. Uh, did we get a blurb on Disneyland? I did. Tom. Is- so just every, uh, uh, every Monday on iTunes... Uh, every Monday and Tuesday on iTunes, the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. You can check it out there. Uh, but they also go live every Sunday night, 11 p.m. <coughs> Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, on Mixler.com. It's M-I-X-L-R.com. And what are they talking about this week? Well, this week on the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged, Nancy takes a day six trip to the Griffith Observatory, and the team explores Catella Avenue, discussing food, shopping, and hotels along the way. And uh, just so people know, uh, the day six segments, um, they uh, conventional wisdom says that, you know, five days is really a good amount of time to see Disneyland. So uh, the Disneyland team often does a day six segment, like what would you do on the sixth day of your vacation? What is there around the area? And those are always great, great segments. I would be interested to hear about Griffith Observatory. Yeah, it's interesting. Because I've always, you know, been up in that area, but have never been to the observatory. So made famous by the movie Transformers. Yes, yes, that's what made it famous. Yeah, I was was thinking Charlie's Angels. That's right. Oh, okay. Well, this is what you think if you're under thirty. So you can check that out, iTunes.com, or also on disunplugged.com. Just. Click on the Disneyland Edition link. Of course, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, live, disunplugged.com. Jenny Lynn Knopp and Teresa Eccles have the trip. And this week, you're talking about? We are talking about overpacking versus underpacking. I would know nothing about this thing of what you speak. (laughs) (laughs) Which personalities are geared to err in which direction and tips for... Each side of hmm. oh, that's each, each side of the uh, the coin. I'm a classic underpacker. Oh, yeah, 
the, the, he goes with like you know one like little carry on bag for like two weeks. Yeah, and I travel with two massive bags, each one weigh, weighing in probably about sixty pounds, which is why I have to travel first because I get the seventy pound limit instead of the fifty pound limit. Yeah, and I also carry Delta American Express card so I can get a free one if I need one. But <clears throat> I mean, it's absurd, and I've tried to like pull back on that. And every single time I do, I get where I'm going, and I'm like, damn, I needed this, I needed that, I needed this. But when I overpack, it's, I really didn't need to bring this. I didn't need to bring, it's it's terrible. Well, we went to Facebook for it, and we got a huge response from, you know, the the fans of the Facebook it's a great topic. and everything and you know people giving their reasons why and how they deal with it and stuff so we're going to be incorporating a lot of that input that we got into the show tomorrow too awesome looking forward to yeah that. absolutely looking forward to that that's great so that's tomorrow Wednesday uh, every Wednesday 1 p.m. Eastern Time Live disunplugged.com uh, of course every Thursday disunplugged.com uh, the universal edition of the Diz Unplugged with uh, Craig Williams, uh, Rhino Clavin, Dustin West, and Jenny Lynn Knopp. What are you talking about this week, Craig? Uh, we're doing an email show, so if anyone has any questions, go ahead and send them in. You will podcast at disunplugged.com. You can find that at disunplugged.com slash contact. And you can also actually leave uh, emails and voicemails uh, at that page for any of the shows. And uh, uh, I've been incorporating a lot of emails and voicemails into the solo shows that I've done. I'll be doing that again. I was actually wanting to put one out last week, but it didn't happen. But maybe I'll do one this week. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, disunplug.com slash contact. And you can actually leave us a voicemail right through your computer. No phone or calling involved. Yeah. And uh, the sound quality on that is excellent for us, and that matters. Most computers nowadays have microphones built right in, and that's all it taps these into. Newfangled. Those newfangled. These newfangled computers, they got microphones in them, man. You just <laughs> push a button, and it, it works. It's great. <laughs> I'm excited to be on the Universal show this week. It's been like four weeks. Yeah, we'll, yeah. See, we'll see if it happens. We'll see if it happens. He's <laughs> counting down. I'm not holding my breath anymore. <laughs> yeah, because Jenny Lynn had car trouble last week, so uh, okay. I had to sit in on last week's uh, show. It was a good show. It was. It was if fun. I do say so myself. It was goofy. <laughs> People, people loved that uh, Easy Bake Oven comment that you made. So. <laughs> that you were one Easy Bake Oven away from a twelve-year-old being a 12-year-old girl, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get a lot of nice feedback on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the truth resonates. <laughs> the truth resonates with, with people. So uh, those are our shows coming up uh, this week. Um, and anything else in show notes? Anything else? Not that I can think of. No. All right, so let's talk about some of what is in... Oh, I just do want to mention that John and Kevin are not here because, well, they were um, they, they were in Ireland for an ABD trip, but had to come back early because John, uh, John did something to his back when he was out at D23. John's always had back issues, but uh, usually they're, they're pretty good. But yeah. he had uh, something happen at D23, and it was so bad when he got to Ireland, he had to come home. Mm. So I, he was really disappointed because he was so looking forward. They both were so looking forward to that trip. So everybody sent some good thoughts out to John. Um, as somebody who deals with a bad back often, uh, I can absolutely commiserate with him. And uh, so everybody just sent some good thoughts out to, to John that he gets better soon. So, All right. All right so um, the first news story I want to talk about is this change that Disney Cruise Line announced, uh, I guess, last week or the week before, 
that uh, changes what you are allowed to carry on the ship in terms of alcohol. Um, any passenger sailing with Disney Cruise Line as of September 30th, 2015, will experience changes to the cruise line's onboard alcohol policy. The current policy does not limit the amount of alcohol that a guest can bring on board. It merely limits how you can bring it on. It has to be on a, in a carry-on bag of a certain size. And in the case of wine and champagne, you are charged a $20 uh, per bottle corking fee. And uh, basically that means if you want to bring the wine or the champagne into one of the restaurants or into one of the, uh, one of the lounges, you can. But they are going to charge you $20 a twenty dollar corking fee. That that isn't about them like actually like taking the cork out, although right. they will do that for you. That is about them recouping what they would have lost had right. you not brought your own wine on board. And I know until recently, I'm not sure if the before this change, I know that beer had to be in a soft sided cooler yeah. that would fit through the X ray machine like a carry on size. Correct. So that was how Disney limited this. They would also allow you to bring on hard liquor. Uh, so you could bring on, you know, your couple bottles of Jack Daniels or whatever it is you're, you you like to drink. And wasn't Disney the only cruise line that would actually? We're like- going to get to. That. Oh, okay. We're going to get to that. Uh, no, they were not the only one, but by far their policies were very liberal in comparison Sorry. to most other lines. The new policy is as follows: effective on September 30th, uh, you may bring a maximum of two bottles of unopened wine or champagne per stateroom, not per person, no larger than 750 milliliters or six beers no longer no larger than 12 ounces on board at the beginning of the voyage and and at each port of call Mm. so when you get on the ship you can have these two bottles of wine or champagne or the six bottles of beer plus every place you stop you can also bring that on um if you want to consume the wine or champagne that you have brought on board in one of the dining rooms or at one of the lounges, the corking fee is now $25 versus $20. Uh, they are no longer allowing hard liquor. If you bring liquor on board, I believe it will be confiscated and returned to you at the end of the cruise. Same thing when you buy liquor in the ports. If you go to a duty-free shop in St. Martin, St. Thomas, Nassau, wherever... Uh, when you bring it on, they're going to take it, and the last night of the cruise, it gets delivered to your stateroom. Beverages must be packed in a carry-on bag, not checked. Um, any alcohol packed in checked luggage will be removed and stored until the end of the cruise. Any wine or champagne in excess of the two bottles or beer in excess of six beers will be stored until the end of the cruise. Bringing liquors and spirits on board is now prohibited. Um and you must retrieve any stored alcohol at the end of the cruise. Items not retrieved will be destroyed, and no compensation will be, be offered. Destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they've basically gone to what most other cruise lines Well, do. again, I'm going to discuss that here, what some of the other cruise lines uh, uh, allow and don't allow. Oh. Uh, the, the thing is, is that the response to this has been extraordinary. Mm-hmm. People are canceling their cruises. What? Yeah. People are canceling their cruises. People are absolutely livid over this change. And one of the just one of the reasons people are, are putting forward that they feel this way is that Disney is so much more expensive than competing cruise lines that this was one of the perks they felt that 
kind of help justify that. They could get that. a break. They could get a little break somewhere. And that by closing this loophole, or by changing this policy, it wasn't a loophole, by changing this policy, that now it's like, okay, well, you're just like every other cruise line in everything except how much you charge. So one of the biggest comparisons is often made to Royal Caribbean. And, uh, of course, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, the difference between the price of a cruise on Royal Caribbean and Disney sometimes is as much as half. Yeah. So, uh, but Royal Caribbean also has an extremely harsh policy when it comes to bringing alcohol on board. Basically, you're not allowed to at all. And if they find it, they destroy it. They don't hold it. They don't give it to you at the end of the cruise. You are not allowed to bring anything on board, period. No wine, no beer, no liquor. Period. They want you drinking in their bars. They want you ordering wine in their restaurants. They don't want you bringing anything on board. Um, any shoreside purchases made on Royal Caribbean will be held to the end of the cruise. So if you go into Nassau or wherever, buy liquor, it will be held until the end of the cruise. But anything you try and bring on in embarkation will be confiscated and destroyed. Carnival. No liquor is allowed on board. If it is brought on board, confiscated and returned at the end of the cruise. They allow one bottle of wine or champagne per passenger. Purchased in port, anything purchased in port held to the end of the cruise. Celebrity, no liquor. If found, confiscate, it was confiscated and returned at the end of the cruise. Now that's interesting because Celebrity and Royal Caribbean are owned by the same company. Uh, two bottles of wine per stateroom at embarkation and a $25 corkage fee, which is similar to what Disney has that's on Celebrity? That's on Celebrity. I think that's probably because the clientele on Celebrity might want to bring a really nice bottle of wine and the price or something point, like the that. the price point on Celebrity is also closer to yeah. uh, Disney Cruise Line. Uh, Holland America, uh, no liquor allowed on board. Uh, if you bring it on, it's going to be returned at the end of the voyage. One bottle of wine per passenger with no corkage fee if consumed in the cabin. If you bring more than one bottle and carry-on luggage, you'll be charged an $18 corkage fee no matter where it's consumed. So they will let you bring on more. They're just automatically going to charge you $18, and it doesn't matter where you consume it. Hmm. In your stateroom, it's going to be charged $18. Um, Wine and champagne in port uh, can be consumed on board for the same $18 corkage fee. Liquor is held until the last night of the cruise. So they have a much more liberal policy on Holland America, um, and forgive me, but Holland America is also, you know, skews older. Let's just say that. So I don't think their clientele is probably going to be drinking as much because it's going to interfere with their medication. <laughs> so, um, don't send me any hate mail. I'm just joking around. I'm just joking around. Um, now, Crystal Cruise Line, which uh, there are real comparisons to be made between Crystal and Disney in terms of price point. In fact, the, C, the, uh, the old CEO of Crystal Cruise Line was poached by Disney in the very beginning to come run Disney Cruise Line. Didn't work out well, and that was, a good, new, that was good news for Matt we met, who we've talked about on the show. Um, <clears throat> you can bring liquor on board uh, Crystal Cruise Line, but it must be consumed in cabins, not in public spaces. Um, wine and champagne is allowed with no corkage fee. And the wine may be consumed in all restaurants. Uh, you can purchase liquor in port, bring it back on, consume it in the cabin. There's no charge. Um, you can purchase liquor in the ship's duty-free shop, and uh, that would be delivered to you on the last day of the cruise. Um, and there's no restriction on where it can be consumed. 
uh, Norwegian Cruise Line. Crystal Cruise Line is the only one that allows that, by the way. Norwegian, no liquor. Um, anything brought on is held at the end of the cruise. You can bring wine on board, but every bottle is charged a corkage fee of $15, anywhere from 15 to $30, depending on the size of the bottle, no matter where you consume it. But you're not allowed to bring box wine, which I think should be a law federally. It's a carry-on into itself. <laughs> um, liquor purchased in port, held to the end of the, uh, end of the cruise. Quint Canard, uh, again, another upscale cruise line. Um, they allow one bottle of wine or champagne and no liquor. Uh, Asmara, um, liquor can be consumed in the cabin with no limit. $10 corkage fee if you bring any liquor uh, or wine, champagne to uh, a restaurant or lounge. Um, you can have unlimited wine and champagne with a $10 corkage fee. So it does vary, but the vast majority of cruise lines do not allow you to bring liquor on board. Disney is coming into into uh, uh, similar standing with virtually every other cruise line out there. So, you know, I get the argument that, you know, Disney's a lot more expensive, but, and, and that there is a sense of entitlement there. And because Disney set that up, when you take something away, mm-hmm. it's going to get this response. So, well, look, I mean, the first, not the first cruise, the second cruise, and Corey inspired me on this, by the way, Julie. Uh, I brought a 24-pack of cans of Bud Light Lime on my second oh. cruise, and because that's the beer of cruisers. And <laughs> I didn't have to buy a single drink. Yeah. I didn't gay rednecks. It. It's Bud Light Lime, so <laughs> gay rednecks, really. But, but. I didn't have to buy a single beer while I was on that, that cruise. That was one of the podcast cruises, and uh, that was great. But now that Disney's changing this policy, and you've read off that very long list of everybody else's policies, they're they're fitting into the fold with everyone else. All these cruise lines, in one way or the other, either want you to pay the corking fee or they want you to buy their drinks. Some things that – absolutely. Some things people need to understand. And not that this matters to most people, but this is a reality from the business end of the cruise line. <laughs> Number one. Cruises make the vast majority of their profits on alcohol Mm -hmm. and casinos. Mm -hmm. Disney does not have a casino. So in order for that cruise line to be profitable, they are the only cruise line that does not have a casino, by the way. And the casino is the biggest source of revenue for a cruise ship. So Disney has to make that money in two other places. They make it in what they charge you to get on board and they make it in alcohol sales and merchandise to some degree but Mm -hmm. alcohol I think probably registers a lot more than the merchandise does so from a business standpoint that is what this is about also the challenge Disney Cruise Line has that Norwegian Royal Caribbean Canard Crystal and a few of these other ones don't have is that it is a boutique line it is a small line with four ships so, you know, for Royal Caribbean with, I think, 28 ships in the fleet um, it is, and, and casinos, it's easier to do certain things to lower the price of those staterooms versus when you're a boutique line. And I will tell you that for whatever issues I have had, I love Royal Caribbean, don't get me wrong. But especially in my experiences this year on the Enchantment and on the Jewel, the smaller ships, 
the price of a Disney cruise is worth the service difference that I experience because service is important to me. Now, it's not important to everyone. Not that people want bad service, but for some people, it's just not as high up on the list. And that's perfectly legitimate. For me, it is very, very high on the list. That sense of service, I experience things on the Jewel and on the Enchantment that I would never in a million years witness on a Disney cruise ship. And that's stuck with me. And I say to myself, okay, yeah, this Alaska cruise, I got two balcony staterooms for the price of one on a Disney ship, but the service level was so much different that, yeah, okay. It affects that experience. Also, if you have children, if you're not on the larger Royal Caribbean ships, pretty much your kids are on their own. We talked about that when we reviewed the Enchantment. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what you, this is who Universal partners with for their land sea cruises, and there are basically no real services. I mean, the, the kids' club was basically two empty rooms and a whiteboard <laughs> and a broken Wii uh, video game. Um, so, it you know that stuff has to be factored in when we talk about the price difference, and I think that was driven home for me more this year than any other. I don't want to discourage people from going on Royal Caribbean because in many regards it is a great line. I encourage people to go on the larger ships especially uh, the Freedom the uh, uh, the Voyager series, the Oasis certainly the Allure, uh, those larger ships that there seems to be a different focus on service on those ships versus the smaller ships which the Jewel and the Enchantment among others uh, are in. So I get why people are upset but I think if everybody kind of takes a breath and steps back and thinks about this, you know, what's important to you? Is that alcohol policy the most important thing? And if it is, that's perfectly legitimate, and I understand why you would cancel. Uh, But if it really isn't, if it's just that sense of, God, it's already so expensive, then I would encourage people to maybe just take a breath and think about why it's more expensive what you're getting for that, these are first-class ships. I'm sorry. I've been on a lot of different cruises. The Disney ships are first-class ships. Is it fair to, to say to, to the people that are upset, maybe wait a little bit and see what else Disney has in mind? Because I'm sure they're, they're thinking of drink packages or they're, they're going to try to do something. They'll do, you know what? They'll do something. But here's the bottom line. The reason that they're doing this is very simple. They can Ships are sailing 95% full. They are sailing 95% full at the prices that they're charging. Without also, so that that there's that you have the occupancy there. So if we've got the occupancy, we're going to have to look to make more money, and that's the other thing. Disney can't make that revenue in casinos, and they can only do so much with merchandise. They have to show profit. They're a publicly traded company. They have to show profit year over year. So they have to find ways to get more. So part of that is in raising the prices. But I think this is an indication that they've probably reached the outside of what they can get away with. I don't know how much higher they can go. So they have to find it other places. And this is one of the places they're looking to do it. And from a business standpoint, I get it. I don't drink, so for me, this is a non-issue. My 24-pack of Bud Light Lime cost me 20 bucks at like a grocery store, maybe even less. 
I can't imagine what 24 beers costs on one of these cruise ships, let alone Disney. It's probably five times that. Yeah. Well, they've got the the beer mug thing. I don't know what that yeah, is, but I know it's, yeah. it's more reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to, to say as we were talking, just to put it in perspective, you're talking about, um, you know, Disney getting rid of or changing this alcohol policy, but you're also getting the Disney service. Just for a little bit of perspective, we've talked several occasions on, especially Walt Disney World, where that Disney service, those Disney traditions are going down and down, it seems, over the years. Not on Cruise Line. Cruise Line is the platinum standard of what Disney service has always been in our mind. Yeah, when we talk about Mm -hmm. the golden days of Disney service at Walt Disney Mm -hmm. World, that is alive, well, and living on a Disney cruise ship. Yeah. And that has been the case since the absolute beginning. And that is something, the legacy, the service, all of it, something that has been focused on and preserved on those ships. It, and I, I got it for me. And again, I'm not judging anybody else who feels differently. Because this is definitely one of those scenarios where whatever you feel, you're right. Because it's about what your standards are and what's important mm-hmm. to you. And that's going to differ from person to person. So there are people out there that are criticizing people who are canceling and losing their minds. And while I'm not one of them, I get it. I oh, get it. Yeah, I, I, get, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Because it is expensive. And you want that Disney experience and you want your kids to have I mean, because come on, let's just talk about the kids clubs for a second. There isn't a ship. I don't know that there is a location on Earth outside of Disney World and Disneyland, maybe, that can rival what those kids clubs offer, mm-hmm. let alone on another cruise line. The only mm-hmm. other place, and it's Disney, too, is at Alani. <laughs> Alani. Because that kid's club, which is basically, <laughs> which is basically the Disney the Cruise Line land. experience on land. I'm mm-hmm. not kidding. Yeah, it's, it really is. I, it's the best argument, the best uh, comparison I can make for Alani is that it's basically a Disney cruise ship on land, and not for nothing, it's also run by the same guy. So maybe that has something to do with it yeah. too. So Carl Holtz, you know, DVC, Alani, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line, mm-hmm. all of those are in his portfolio. So. Yeah, and he's had the he's had the job for a while, so he can start taking a bow for some <laughs> how good some of this stuff is run. Um, so I get I get why people are upset. I would just ask people maybe to take a breath, and you know really focus and think about what's important to you. And if this policy is important to you, and that's a reason to cancel, okay, I respect that. But I would just ask people to take a breath. And maybe not react so much because I think there is that buildup because we see it all the time. Every time they release mm-hmm. the following year's cruises and people see the prices, they're like, oh, my God, they're pricing me out of the market. And I've, a lot of people, a lot of people have started going to other cruise lines because they just can't afford Disney anymore. But, again, Disney is finding the market of people that can afford it and they are filling their ships. And at the end of the day, that's what they have to look at. Disney's policies on certain things and their prices on certain things, like any other business, would change if there were, if their ships were sailing out 70% full. But they're not. They're not even close to it. So the business model is working for them. They're making, they're, they're getting what they're asking for their staterooms. They have to look to increase profits year over year. And this is one of the ways they have to do it. Again, if they had a casino, it might be different, but they don't. So. Anybody else want to weigh in on this before we move on? No? Okay. So, let's talk about SeaWorld. 
the Russian roulette of executives continues, um, especially after that report uh, for the third quarter of uh, them losing like 80 plus percent uh, revenue. So uh, they have announced the hiring of a new chief financial officer and a new chief creative officer. Peter J. Craig will begin his position as CFO in September, replacing James Heaney, who had been with the company since 2012. Heaney previously worked in finance with Disney Cruise Line and has left SeaWorld to return to the cruise industry, though not with DCL. Uh, Craig, 53, leaves a position as CFO at Extended Stay America. He has also been CFO for Cedar Fair Parks, uh, which run several amusement parks across the country. Um, just skipping ahead here. Anthony Esparza, 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 54, will join the company as its chief creative officer. Uh, Scott Helmstetter was previously in the role. He's moving back to his native state of California and will act as a consultant for SeaWorld. Uh, Esparza comes from a position as senior vice president for guest experiences, design, and development at Hershend Enterprises, the company who owns Silver Dollar City and Dollywood. Mm-hmm. So um, this is not unexpected. Yeah. SeaWorld has to change up their management. They need new blood. They just had a new CEO installed not that long ago. They need... This is what a company does when it's suffering. And they are suffering. And they're going to have to start finding something. Something. One of these men, one of these people, is going to have to come up with some thing or some things to start turning around SeaWorld's fortune. And at this point, as much as I hate to admit it, it is probably going to have to involve getting rid of the killer whales. I think at this point, if they have one or two more quarters like they just had, it's either going to be that or face extinction uh, without, no, no pun intended. Well, they've replaced their chief creative officer, which is, you know, he's going to be the one that leads the ideas the creative ideas and that could potentially be something I'm a little skeptical that his his portfolio is basically Dollywood um, but you know well I thought the same thing but then I thought to myself you know how many times you know people have to come up the ranks right yeah they have yeah. to come up the ranks uh, and and Dollywood's really successful <laughs> it is there's no, <laughs> there's arguing. no arguing that. Dollywood is a very <laughs> successful theme park so I, you know, people do have to come up the ranks and sometimes um, uh, the challenge in front of you is what brings out that, that greatness. Yeah, um, that's true. We see that all the time. A lot of times people find themselves in challenging situations where they have to dig deep and pull yeah. something out uh, to match the challenge in front of them. I absolutely believe in that. I was just coming from the standpoint of it would have been really nice to see somebody who had like resume, like Disney, Universal, something like that. You know, although um, maybe this needs a different way of yeah. looking at things. It very well could. I think part of the problem yeah. is, to some degree, SeaWorld has tried to uh, keep up with the Joneses mm-hmm. in, in terms of their competitors with SeaWorld or uh, Universal and Disney. And they probably do have to go in a different direction. At this point, you know, one of the things I keep thinking about is, okay, maybe you have to 
get rid of the killer whale exhibits and replace it. I mean, that's a huge chunk of land you got there. Replace it with the most amazing $250 million interactive experience and attraction that has ever been seen in a theme park in the history of the world. (laughs) That is so awesome and so incredible that brings that experience and that, that, that education that you'll look for with the killer whale experience mm-hmm. without actually keeping killer whales in activity and captivity, excuse me. So, I mean, that's what I keep thinking is that something along those lines that you're not, you're not going to get out of this building another roller coaster. Right. That's not how you're going to, you're not going to do it. You, you have to be true to the charter of what got you here and you have to do it in a way now that, you align with public sentiment and as much as I disagree with it as much as I think it's a hit job it has been effective and it has done what it was intended to do and if SeaWorld does not adapt and adjust to that reality maybe had they responded more forcefully in the beginning it might have been different they might have been able to change public perception but if they do not do something dramatic and do it relatively soon I do not see its parent company holding on to it much longer. It will be sold in a fire sale, and the beginning of the end of SeaWorld will be in front of us. I don't see SeaWorld suffering from taking away the killer whales in this. And I, God, I hate to compare this, but in the same way, somebody could potentially chain themselves to the Carousel of Progress or to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I don't see. I get, the, I get the analogy. Yeah. You know, I don't see people saying, no, this is what don't makes this park, yeah. you know, what it is. Don't That's take it point. away. I think that if they move forward with something new, interactive, well-themed, people are more likely to go to the park. That's yeah. absolutely less right. Likely. I think so, too. If they don't, if they still have an, I'm sorry. If they, they still had an educational component to it. I don't think anybody would be upset if they got rid of the killer whales. Mm-hmm. But if they sort of now, hey, we're the biggest roller coaster capital, you know. Then That's the, yeah, coasters aren't going to get them yeah. out of this. Yeah. An interactive experience that gives you that emotional piece, which is well, is very, very possible to do. Throw enough money at it. Do it right. You could create something that people will go out of their way to come to your park for. Mm-hmm. You will get some people to come for roller coasters, but at the end of the day, you know, Universal I think is a more appealing location for the audience that comes to Orlando. Um, I, I was yeah. going to have a question about this because uh, uh, somebody asked me a question. Um, they were so it's all SeaWorld, though, because there's more than one, right? Or are we right. just referring there, to this uh, one? There's SeaWorld Orlando, there's San Antonio, and there's San Diego. So, okay. Plus the Busch Gardens Park. So they're lumped in there. But uh, Busch Gardens isn't, they, they don't have killer whales. Right. But they're all under the same, they're all Correct. the same issue everywhere across Correct. the board, right? Okay, that was my question. I didn't know if it was just this no. one specifically is suffering. So you're no. you're asking something. if the other Parks branches are being hit as hard as Orlando. Yes, yeah. Just because I know we're so familiar with Orlando, that's why I wasn't sure if it's just we no, can this is, see it here with our own eyes. This is SeaWorld as a, this is SeaWorld as a, as comp- a whole. As okay. a whole. Yeah. yeah. So these changes, you know, I do not envy these men. Mm-mm. These men are brave men, brave brave men, because they are walking into a war zone right now. And I wish them nothing but success. I wish them nothing but good luck. And uh, 
good opportunity in doing this. Hopefully what they bring is ideas that are outside the box because that's what SeaWorld needs right yeah, now. they do. So... I mean, oh. I mean I, I, my thing, what I was going to say earlier was that I bet this guy got his job based on a proposal he made that might have been so out of the box. That I'm that's sure. That's why they're pulling hit, such an obscure person. Either that, that or either that or what you have are executives jumping ship. Well, yeah. And they're just <laughs> trying to find somebody to fill the shoes. It's one or, it's one or the other. It's not going to be anything in the middle. So, all right. We're going to move on to rapid fire before we talk about political correctness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll start with you, Dustin. Absolutely. There's a few changes uh, in uh, the construction at uh, the current downtown Disney, soon to be Disney Springs. Um, It's been going through its awkward phase. And (laughs) now there's a a new development. Um, Valet parking is back at the west side this time. And it's available from 2.30 to 2 a.m. It used to be out. um, Used to be. Yeah, it used to be evenings only out in front of like the movie theater in that area initially when they were changing things around. And then they stopped offering it for a little while, and then it became a nightmare to try to get valet parking. So, Oh, I remember that. We'll see how this goes. So 2.30 p.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, pricing is based on your length of stay, and it starts when you reach the valet podium and stops when you return the car when you leave. Um, guests with table in, tables in Wonderland will receive complimentary valet, um, except for the... Uh, uh, you know, blackout dates like Easter, Mother's Day, stuff like that. Um, and but it, does that that requires you eating there and coming back? You with would have receipt. to have the receipt, yeah. yeah, like you would at the hotels. Um, so uh, up to two hours is ten dollars. Uh, three hours is fifteen dollars, and anything more than three hours is twenty dollars. And honestly, that is not bad for valet. That's no, not bad. It's not. Yeah. It's still less expensive than parking at the Universal Resorts. So yeah, yeah. so that that I don't. Th- think is bad and i think the fact that they've expanded the hours is good because that was one of the big problems with the whole parking garage debacle was that you know there was no place to park and valet wasn't open until like five or six o'clock or something like that so at you know at around 2 30 is when you need it yeah because in the morning it's usually not terrible yeah you can find this on, on generally speaking but you know, around two thirty is when things start getting interesting, and that's when you're more likely to need it. So the parking garage is actually pretty nice. Oh, now. it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a I great mean, and, parking garage. And now that they've opened the other entrance, that you're down more on the west side, you can get in and out. But the other part with Dustin's story is now the road leading up to that. They've um, built bus lanes on each side, right. so they're going to move the traffic over. And if you're coming from like Caribbean Beach, Bonnet Creek you can't make the left into the parking garage going that way. You have to turn by Cirque du Soleil yeah. and go in that way. So there's some new traffic patterns. Well, let, let me say from my perspective, the worst is over. Yes. Mm-hmm. The worst is over. Yes. And so, you know, I now look forward to going down there. I look forward to being at Downtown Disney. I'm very excited about Disney Springs. I love what I've seen so far. I can't wait to see what else... Oh, I think it's now when you go down there, it's like there's people. It reminds me of going out to downtown Disney in, in Disneyland because now there's actually people there. Before, you could go bowling 
you know, down the street, and there was nobody there. Especially in Pleasure Island. Yes, yeah. yes. I feel like we've passed the tipping point uh, yeah. at Downtown mm-hmm. Disney. Now when you go there, it's like they can only add stuff. It's right. not like, oh, they're constantly taking things away. And, right. You know, it's it's no good anymore. No, I said it, I said it all along. I think it's going to be great when it's done. It's just the way... That things were handled yep. with that parking garage, that that ridiculous parking garage that took eighteen months to build. The way those things were handled, there was no clearly no plan. There was no plan, or if there was a plan, it was a very bad one. And speaking to that, can I also <laughs> say, with my rapid fire on the valet parking, expect this to change. Who knows oh, yeah. how long that this current thing with valet will stay as it is the hours will probably change the pricing will probably change the process will probably change it's all very fluid down there so expect mm-hmm. it to change great thank you dustin you got it jenna land um mine has to do with legoland legoland has become the first theme park to have official currency listed on the exchange board they've partnered with travel x who is the world's leading independent for foreign exchange business the, the world's leading ripoff artist <laughs> with currency exchange travel x god in heaven don't ever use travel x well in this case um <laughs> the the legoland dollar will be available with one-to-one exchange rate to the u.s dollar yeah would with, so. with a minimum exchange of five dollars and um they can be purchased through select TravelX locations through the summer of 2015. What Legoland is doing is that if you have a $50 purchase, those guests that get the Legoland dollars will also receive an additional $39.25 added value. So that will include free parking, an upgrade um, to the Legoland water park, and an order of the Granny's apple fries, which is a big deal in Legoland. And all, all of those dollars can be spent in any of the parks, restaurants, concessions, retail stores, etc. Sounds to me like Legoland is seceding from the Union. They want to become their own country, they have their own currency. They have their own flag. Well, the idea is for it to help the, the guests have the more immersive experience where they can actually use the land's currency and I feel like, like they're they, more there's enveloped. perks associated to using it. Mm-hmm. I remember when Disney had the Disney dollars. Yep. and. You could probably still go up to a register at Disney World and use a Disney dollar. Yeah, sure. I, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think they print them anymore. Uh, do they? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I still have some. But I don't remember getting any perks with it. No. I think it was just basically getting a gift card. I remember so, about five years ago coming across like an envelope in the back of a drawer somewhere that had like 200 Disney dollars in it. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and I was able to go down and spend it. But, you know. <laughs> it's, it's cool that they have perks. Yeah. I, I, I like that. It's... It's a way of drawing people in. It's a way of them being like, you know, cash your money in, stay here, use it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, JL. Ms. Kathy. Mine is the allergy kiosk at Animal Kingdom is closed between the 12th of August and September 2nd. Is this where you go to get allergies? Yes, yes. They hand <laughs> the out allergies. They give you allergies? They did have... What allergy would you like today? <laughs> they like to try hay fever. They had... Trying to um, lose some weight. Some allergy-friendly options, and they will not be offered as long as the kiosk is closed. So this was a, a, a food location? Yes, mm-hmm. it was a food location, and they told you like what different other restaurants had. It was like your clearinghouse for allergy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and, and there was talk when this first happened that they were going to put one of those in every park so that you could go there and say, I'm allergic to peanuts. Can you show me the menu for whatever? But it's only been here so 
while it's closed, if you've got allergy issues. You're on your own. Yeah. So that's it. And don't lick the peanuts that are on the ground in uh, New Fantasy Land (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they'll kill you. Yes. (sighs) All right. Thank you, Kathy. (laughs) What? I'll I'll explain it to you later. Okay. That's old school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Long story. Mrs. Martin. Well, Blizzard Beach, their rehab is starting three weeks earlier than originally planned, so they're going to be closing October 4th through January 2nd. Um, so it's like a, it's all of October, November, and December. So if you'd planned to go, sorry. <laughs> you got to go to Typhoon Lagoon. <laughs> it's busiest during the summer. I don't know how many people are going in October. Well, well, I mean, our weather, our, weather, yeah, our weather supports that. <laughs> yeah. It's 95 degrees on October 4th. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I don't know about this season. <laughs> it's We've had a fairly mild summer, um, I feel, in terms of our humidity. I think yeah. we're going to have an early fall. I, I do not agree have... with that statement. After being in New York City <laughs> okay. where there was no humidity, and I came home and I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I, I think this, for me anyway, I think this has been the least the, humid summer I've these experienced. These last couple weeks have been hot, but before that, yeah, it yeah. hasn't been a bad summer. We have not had a bad summer at all, and I'm saying that in comparison to the 17 years I've been living here. This has been the best summer I've experienced, and I think it means we're going to have Please, God, let it be true. An early fall and a good fall. So we'll oh, have that like fall that. weather. Stepped outside today. It's gorgeous out yeah. today. Is it? I haven't, I haven't yes. ventured beyond. Absolutely. So let's hope. All right. Well, thank you, Julie. Uh, Gyno? Gyno. Oh, oh my. Great. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey. Um, two things at once here. Um, okay. So it's that time of season. So I thought I'd throw some love at the... Yeah, um, Halloween I'm so party about this. Yeah, I, this I am thrilled. Um, so I read on the site last night the uh, description for the Hocus Pocus Villain Spectacular, which is new this year. Spectacular. Um, the Sanderson sisters, Winifred, Mary, and Sarah from Disney's film Hocus Pocus, return the mortal uh, return to the mortal world each Halloween season for one night. The sisters take over the Magic Kingdom to throw the best evil Halloween party this side of the graveyard. The Disney villains help create the Hocus Pocus party potion to cast a spell on the party goers. Dr. Felicier? Is that, is that how you say Facilier. it? It's the guy from Facilier. Princess and the Frog. Facilier. Yeah, I know who he is. Facilier. For, yeah, I was, good. I was looking that way. Um, um, Oogie Boogie, <laughs> Maleficent, and other villains will be in attendance. The show will also feature dancers, projections, and other special effects. The show schedule has not been yet released, but um, those parties are getting ready to start on... Um, uh, the the I've just lost the September fifteenth. I was going to say fifteenth. I wasn't one hundred percent. It sounds like the villains unleashed where they go and they you know they pronounce all the different villains mm-hmm. that are going to be a part of this party. Except this time around, instead of being hosted by Megara and uh, Hades, it's it's the Hocus Pocus. And they're going to put a spell on you. Yeah, that's right. I, be there every I, night. I think this <laughs> is. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. I love Ho- I love the movie Hocus Pocus. So do I. The only thing that could make this better is that if it was Bette Midler, Kathy and Jimmy, and <laughs> oh, yes. Sarah, Jessica, so Sarah, Sarah Jessica Foot. <laughs> um, I I just I she looks like a foot. I'm a little bummed out. They they still haven't. Um, they said there was going to be. There's no meet and greet for them. So I'm still hoping. Uh, hoping Am I right? Am I right? Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a foot. Well, there's that. That I think that's a bit from Family Guy. There's also it is the, the the bit where like he's feeding Sarah Jessica Parker a carrot and petting her, saying "Good girl," <laughs> which is a horse. That's sad. Okay. What a real carry. Uh, um, all right. Well, thank you, Rhino. Yes. Craigor. Okay. Uh, the WDW Today Twitter account is actually finally here. So if you've been time. to Disneyland in the past 
three years now. Um, they've had Disneyland today be like their kind of in-park um, connection with people who are active on social media and Twitter. So uh, they would do like random meetups and stuff where you could go and they would say where they're at, give you pins, uh, sometimes do even special uh, like an hour after the park would close if you were one of like the first 50 people to meet up then you could do this um it's mostly associated it. i'm sorry it's mostly associated with the stuff that they do on disney parks blog right yeah it's kind of the same team no no it's this well, is it's official of, disney it's yeah. not yeah, oh, yeah. it's yeah. official disney it's more of an in-park social media team that can help answer questions uh and then also does some special things for guests if you're following a part of it and uh you're being very active on social media. So they've been doing it at Disneyland for years, and it's been very successful, very huge. Yeah. And they finally just brought it over to Walt Disney World. So um, right now they're basically using it as a question and answer forum. They, but they, they do great with it out at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. It's I love awesome. it out there. Okay. Yeah, people really respond to it. When I went to Disneyland for the first time a couple years ago, that happened and popped up on, on their Twitter feed. You know, if you come to... Carthay Circle right now we're passing out pins and you know everybody went and got their free pin and it was a fun thing that's cool you know yeah no it's uh it's cool just one thing they've developed even on top of that too I I just downloaded it and figured I'd mention it but uh they just released an app that's like shop Disney parks it's Mm -hmm. awesome and yeah it's got great stuff yeah if you don't know about it it's app you download on any of your smartphones and it basically lists everything that you can buy at a disney park and then also has ways to track where it's currently in stock so if you know you want something saw it somewhere you can still check to see if it's Mm -hmm. in stock or you can just order it directly exactly or you can just order directly so it's it's an awesome app i think it's really well well done they're doing a lot of great things right now all right thank you craig all right so before we wrap up this show there is something i want to talk about and this is not a rant per se, but it might have elements of that present. Um, going through Facebook last week, came across something that just kind of blew my mind. And uh, it is a letter that was sent to Disney and published on a website somewhere. I can't remember the website off the top of my head. Written by, allegedly written by two third graders in New York City. That had gone to Disneyland and had experienced the Jungle Cruise, among some other things, and had some feedback for Disney. I'm going to read the letter as it was published. Dear Disney, like most people, we love your attractions, but we found some problems with some of them, and those problems are stereotypes. Stereotypes are something that some people believe are true, but sometimes may not be true. For example, say somebody says girls only like pink. That's a stereotype. (laughs) Some girls may like yellow and not pink. You can never really judge. We are third graders from New York City at the Cathedral School. We learn about stereotypes and the impact they have on people's identities. For instance, in the Jungle Cruise, all the robotic people have dark skin and are throwing spears at you. We think this reinforces some negative associations. We think you should replace them with monkeys throwing rotten fruit. We notice that on our trips to Disneyland and Disney World that all the cast members call people prince, princess, or knight judging by what the child looks like and assuming gender. We think some feelings could get hurt, say by accident you called someone a prince who wasn't a prince or a princess or a knight, or who was identifying differently than what they were called. We suggest you say, hello, your royalty, instead. 
With the princess makeovers, we think you are excluding other people who might want a makeover to be something else, including boys and transgender people. When we went to the princess castle, the characters only greeted the people they thought were visiting girls, not the visiting boys, and again said, hi, princess. We hope you know we had an awesome time at Disney and that these suggestions are to make it more inclusive and magical for everyone. Please reply and let us know your thoughts. Sincerely, blah, blah, blah. Totally written by a third grader. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to skip past the part that there's very, very, very little chance. This was written by two third graders. Very little chance. But that's not my point. Nor am I going to attack two third graders. I'm not going to attack anybody. But I, I, I venture into the waters that I try and avoid as much as I can on this show. <clears throat> because anytime the topic turns political, <laughs> things can go off the rails very quickly. <laughs> so I'm going to try. I, I am going to try and thread this very carefully, and I will. I will say that my politics tend to, especially now, more so than ever, go what I would consider independent, moderate. Um. I've been on one extreme, on the left, and as I've gotten older, I found that I've moved more toward the middle. And I like that, and I think that I think we can't govern in the extremes. I think we have to govern from the center because the country is so diverse. And I, I support the idea of. And I hate the word, the phrase political correctness. I hate it because it just has gotten such, because of crap like this, it's gotten such a bad rap. There are places and times where political correctness is good. And let's not even call it that anymore. Let's call it, let's call it just being a human being to other human beings. Where stereotypes are negative and reinforce hateful, negative things about any group of people, regardless of who they are, um, that women are weak and that gay men are all effeminate and that you know, gay men all sleep, you know, sleep around and blah, 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 you know, all of these stereotypes that are usually and you know, I think no more, no more prevalent than in the black community. Uh, those stereotypes and how those things were used for so many years to de- degrade um, uh, and 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 to keep to push down and to dismiss entire groups of people and to clump people into just a, a convenient little box that other people could look down on and 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 judge. In the cases where that is called out, so-called political correctness is good. Because it has brought about awareness of that, of those issues. And it has helped change perceptions, discussions, awareness. And that's all good. We are seeing it now in many ways with Caitlyn Jenner. That when she did that cover of Vanity Fair, it opened up a discussion and started shining a light on what is real versus what people are inclined to think and believe based on stereotypes 
and, and, and other things. Now, when we're talking about Disney, the concept of scrubbing the parks of anything that could possibly offend anyone at any time, well, we might as well just close them down. Let's mm-hmm. just go into a white yep. padded room. Exactly. Yep. So because by, by this standard, by this standard, small world has to go. Yep. It has to go because it represents all these different cultures mm-hmm. and it boils them down to a certain type of dress and a certain look. So let's get rid of small world. Roller coasters, maybe. Um, Jungle Cruise. Hold on. I, okay. let me, let me, I'm going to open this up to everybody. There's just some points I want to get out first. Jungle Cruise, because that was brought up here. That was brought up here. Jungle Cruise, especially the part where there are natives with spears, actually represents the Congo. Mm-hmm. And tribes in the Congo. And it accurately depicts... The tribal masks, the dress, and the method of repelling invaders that are used to this day mm-hmm. by tribes in the Congo. Mm-hmm. So maybe the discussion with your children should have been, this is, that, this is a culture in Africa. And maybe if you want to go the political correctness route, maybe spend time talking about the kind of atrocities going on in the Congo right now. If you want your children to be aware politically, then talk about the political facts instead of the self-righteous judging we're better than all of you because we see this in one light. Actually, seeing it in this light is racist to assume that because the people are brown and because they're, they have spears, that it's talking about all brown people, that is racist. Not the existence of these animatronic characters. That is actually culturally accurate. And there is a huge difference. Because in order to be politically correct, you also have to be politically accurate. And you have to tell the truth. In this case, the Jungle Cruise is also tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. It is not meant to be a history lesson. It is not meant to be a statement on anything. But it offends no one except people who are actively looking to be offended because it makes them feel superior to other people. And that is where political correctness has gone off the rails. There are lessons here to be sure to teach your, I mean, just and every, all of you, spend some time. Just Google the political climate in the Congo right now and look at the horrifying atrocities going on there. That is a much more important discussion than this is. And that is a much more accurate discussion than this is. But this kind of political correctness drives me up a wall. It drives me up a wall because it says that the little girl who likes pink and the little boy who likes blue should not be allowed to express that because it might offend someone who doesn't. Here's the real thing. When you have a little boy who likes pink or a little girl who likes blue, maybe, maybe the reaction needs to be one of inclusiveness and support and celebration, not shame, Mm-hmm. Not intolerance, not hate, not you should be this or you should be that. That 
is the politically correct thing to do. Not dismiss all the people who feel a certain way because someone else doesn't. Everyone should be included. There should not be these divisions. There should not. That's the politically correct thing to do. But the idiotic way to handle that is simply to wipe everything out and create this sterile experience. And God forbid, the reason I even bring this up is because when I read something like this, knowing how sensitive and sometimes hair trigger Disney can be on these issues, I have this fear that we're going to drive ride down the Jungle Cruise one day and it's basically going to be trees mm-hmm. and nothing else. No jokes. And that it is going to be a discussion of the political climate in the Congo coming from the Jungle Cruise skippers <laughs> oh, rather than what it is now. So I will let other people um, talk now. I actually had a um, specific um, story that deals with the gender role um, thing these kids brought up. So I, I think they're incorrect. My um, nephew came down um, with my uh, brother and his girlfriend with her daughter um, and the mother is very much like a princess and Clara's a princess and Ryan's the king or whatever. But I have to say, we went into a gift shop and <clears throat> Ryan wanted this whole outfit to be a knight. There was a pink one right next to it. It had a pink crown. It had a pink sword, a pink shield. And I was like really we blown away by that. <laughs> well, I was like, Clara, do you want to be a, a princess knight too? And she wanted to be it too. So like it was, it was really cool to see that there was – that was the first place I'd ever seen something that was like – Girls can be the warrior too, and yeah. I, I, so Disney does represent. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's pink, and it was the girls' one, but she could have taken the blue one, and Ryan could have had the the pink one. But it, you, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool that they had that male male type re- representation in the female market too. I understand something too. Disney was embracing diversity in its company and its theme parks long mm-hmm. before it was fashionable. Okay, long before a lot of other Fortune 20 companies were doing it. And they weren't, they they didn't do it at the barrel of a gun. They did it, and this is, you know, again, I criticize Disney when they're wrong, but I have to celebrate them when they're right. Disney did it because it was the the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. It was their culture. It was what they believed. They didn't want to exclude anybody. Disney absolutely, of any company in existence, could have gone the route of where quote-unquote family-friendly, which automatically excludes anybody that is a mother, father, and two kids. They could have gone that route. They could have trumpeted that and played that, you know, played that card. But they didn't. And they faced boycotts and backlashes. Remember when the Baptist Convention boycotted mm-hmm, Disney mm-hmm. because of their inclusiveness? And Disney didn't flinch. I Disney th- didn't flinch. And I have never forgotten that. And the company will always have my undying respect. Nobody has ever done it better, in my opinion, than Disney does it. I, I've said this in things I've written on the site before, and I've said it on this show. I have experienced everything Disney has to offer in their theme parks, their hotels, their cruises. I have, I have done all of it. And I have done it all with my partner. And have never, ever been treated any other way other than with respect and dignity. And that's the way it And be. a non-issue. And that is political correctness in its best form. Not this nonsense that you're teaching your children, you shameful people. This is nonsense. This is horrible. Well, as a mother, when I, you know, I had 
two girls and a son. Um, you know, the joke was with my son, I wanted him to be an enlightened male, that there wasn't anything that he couldn't do. I mean, my daughter's got that same message because as a mother, I used to work on cars all the time. And if somebody had ever told me that I can't do that because I'm a woman, I would have been the first one in line to go beat somebody <laughs> over the head because they said I couldn't do it. And I wanted my son to have that same thing, that if he wanted to, he's, he's a very good cook. He also can sew and create things that my daughters can't. I never stopped my son from doing that. But when we get to the parks, that, that, to me, that's sad. I, you know, I almost want to cry that there's kids because their parents have put this in their heads. And I really think it's either that or the teachers. Disney is a place to go to, you know, suspend your what's going on in the world. You go in there, you have fun. And if some little kid's coming out and saying, Mommy, Mommy, you know, they called me a prince and I'm a princess, that that should just be like a, a, a passing, yeah, that's, you know. That's one cast member who decided to. You know, well, it's, it's no different than when somebody says to me, uh, well, sir, on the phone. It's like you <laughs> laugh about it for a second and you move on. Right. And talking about Caitlyn Jenner, I've been, you know, following hers. I'm, I'm glad that the world has gotten to a place and there's still issues sure. that she can get out there. And now she can be who she wants to be. She's 65 years old. Mm-hmm. I would not have wanted to live my life no. that long not being true to myself. True. So the world needs to go there. See, and what I worry about, and look, there, there is still absolutely a need to educate people on, on sensitivity toward people that are different from the norm. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're not past that. At all, no. It's it's come a long way, but we still have more to go. But at the same time, at the same time, I don't want to see something develop where a boy who likes blue and a girl who likes pink are made to feel that there's something wrong with that. Right. Yeah, right. Because a right. lot of boys like blue and a lot of girls like pink, and that mm-hmm. is every bit as wonderful as the boy who likes pink and the girl who likes blue. Yes. Exactly. It all gets celebrated. Everybody allowed to be who they are. Nobody mm-hmm. excluded. Nobody drawn around these these false, fake, divisional lines that we create. Yep. And I'm going to stop short of going somewhere else with that because I could. And I, that's where I'll get myself in trouble. <laughs> but that, to me, is true political correctness. That is what should be celebrated in the parks and is celebrated in the parks Mm -hmm. every day you may have a cast member here or there who doesn't say it right but you know what that's okay too right because you know what i'm not going to say exactly what he said but the actor stephen fry has a meme on the internet from him that talks about you know somebody saying i'm offended by the fact that you said that and his his response is so the f what you're offended. Okay, I accept that you're offended. That doesn't change anything here. That does, you know, it doesn't matter. You can be offended and the world doesn't end, okay? When did we all get so damn sensitive all yeah. the time? I have, I have an opinion on political correctness, and it ties into exactly what you were just saying. And I don't know how this will go over. But I have, I have spent 
a lot of my time being, I don't know, what are we, Generation Y, Generation X, whatever I it never is. Know. Millennial. Millennial, I yeah. don't know. Um, being thrust and into this environment and growing up into the environment of political correctness. And what I'm realizing now in my life and as we're talking about this is, for example, these kids were, quote unquote, offended by the Jungle Cruise. They are not people from the Congo. I'm assuming they are not black people from the Congo. Yet they are offended for these people. Yet they have never lived a moment in their shoes. Welcome to the wel- welcome to the judgmental self-righteousness mm-hmm. of extreme political correctness. And what is happening because of that is that they are assuming that somebody from the Congo would be offended by that, which to me promotes more stereotypes and promotes generalizations on their behalf right that they're assuming that someone would be offended without ever once asking somebody from the congo if they would be offended uh, it's, a, it's a great point that you that you bring up and it reminds me of an experience i had recently um right now there is a you know a, a big movement with the black lives matter movement and the number of un- unarmed African Americans that have been shot by police across the country in the discussion about it. And when I first, when this first started, when this first started, I'm just going to be honest. Because I think any discussion of political correctness has to involve this. Because if we can't be honest, a lot of times we're not honest because we're afraid of offending. And that shuts the conversation down. When this first started, thought that went through my head is, now there's more to this story. You were doing something. Because my personal experience is, I've never had, never had that happen. I've never had a cop threaten me or you know, been targeted like that. So the police don't do that. That doesn't happen. So there must be some other part to this story. And then, because sometimes I'm not Captain Obvious, it occurred to me that I am in fact a white man. Oh, that's right. It may not have happened to me because of the fact that I'm a white man. And that maybe all of these people, all of these black people that are talking about this, they can't all be making it up. And I can only relate to what my experience is. And so if I'm hearing a story and I can't relate to it from my own personal experience, and I think this is true of all people, I think we relate to things through our own experience, then... If I can't relate to that, then I think something's up. And the realization for me was, oh, okay, maybe what I need to do is listen. And say, okay, no, I'm not ever going to be able to relate to this, hopefully, I pray, through personal experience. But that doesn't mean I can't listen and learn and try and expand my knowledge and my understanding of the world because the world is not just what I see. I am not self-actualized nor is anybody watching or listening to me right now. There's always more to learn. There's always more to understand. There is not one universal truth that applies to all things and all people at all times. There are many variations. There is many variations of life as there are people living on this planet. And by being willing to listen and recognize my own limitations, recognize my own biases, 
recognize my own racism in some cases. By, willing, by being willing to recognize that. By saying, I don't have any racist attitudes. Yeah, you know what? I'm a 50-year-old white man in America. There's no way I grow up without some of that. No way. Fortunately, in, in later generations, yeah, it's gotten a lot better. The current generation, I think, they don't see color. And I think that's magnificent. But that wasn't the case for me growing up in the 60s and the 70s. So that's just the truth. So the, but the onus is then on me to be aware of that and to challenge it and to work at being more understanding and listening and growing as a person through that. Same is true with transgender, gay, lesbian. I don't care what the label is. It's about stepping outside mm-hmm. of what our own personal experiences are. But I, I would say that for everybody, no matter what your story is, um, be willing to listen. Because, I, you know, where I see it, my family, a lot of them were policemen. So, of course, I'm going to see it through the policeman filter. So and, is everybody looking at that? Are they understanding right. Am I gonna, that? And also, I'm not going to sit here and say all policemen are racists because right. I know many right. of them. And, you know, I, I have nothing but the highest regard for these people who make their livelihoods, putting their life on the line. Um, you know, you had that story yesterday about the state trooper who in got Louisiana. shot in the head, mm-hmm. yeah. try, stopping to help somebody. Um, these guys, these guys are on the and I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like to walk into a situation w- worrying or being fearful that I'm going to get shot. I could get shot here. So I can't judge that either, but I can say that, okay, I need to listen. Right. I need to listen and try and expand. And that is all I'm saying here is that we all need to learn to speak truth and listen. Exactly. And not be afraid of that because if we can't speak truth in a loving way, in a way that is seeking knowledge and enlightenment, if we can't speak truth, then none of it will ever change. It is only by people having the courage to speak their truth, regardless of what it is. Whether it's acknowledging their own bias or acknowledging their truth as being transgender or whatever it is, it is only by people having the courage to speak that out loud and open that discussion in a loving way that seeks to make things better and enlightened does this change. So that is the end of my soapbox uh, on this. I feel like I went further than I wanted to. But... Nonetheless, there it is. It's out there. So that is going to do it for our show. Coming up next, Dustin and the team talk about the current state of Disney's Hollywood studio. So stay tuned for that. I will see you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lights.